Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, Open Mic Podcast listeners. Want to share your opinions, give me feedback, or tell me what you're thinking? If you do, send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in future episodes of the podcast. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform that I use to make this show. Here are some things that I would love to hear from you. What questions do you have for me? What did you think of the episode? What did you think of the topic? Who should I interview next? Make up a theme song. I don't know. Do your best impression of me. I'll see all of your messages and I might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send me a voice message right now from wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in my show notes and I can't wait to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to the Open Mic Podcast. Until next time, cheers and be well and enjoy today's episode. It's time for the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Broadcasting live from the Bay Area studios, here at the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. And of course, you never know who may stop by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 94 of the Open Mic Podcast. It has been a few days since we have released an episode, and I am super excited about it. Man, feels great. The mic's sounding super hot today, and we have a fantastic guest. We are coming up on to 100 episodes. This is episode 94, and before I get to my special guest, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who listens, and for all those fine, fancy folks that follow us on social media, it just absolutely means the world. And if you don't, just hop on over to Instagram and follow us at The Open Mic Podcast. Twitter is Brett's Open Mic. And of course, you can always head over to theopenmicpodcast.net. And that is where you will find all of the latest episodes, everything that you could ever want to know about uh, every guest we've ever had, archived episodes. If you have questions or anything like that, you can definitely let us know. And uh, we would be happy to answer those questions for you. Also, I just want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Spades Sunshades. Jeff Weber, thank you so much, man, for supporting the podcast, making amazing sunglasses. And uh, these are for poker players by poker players. And I always say this, if you're not a poker player, that's totally cool. Not a problem. These sunglasses still look absolutely amazing. And you have to get your hands on a pair of them, uh, especially with Christmas coming. In fact... If you use promo code Brett's Open Mic, I'll go ahead and pay for your shipping. That's on me. Early Merry Christmas to you as well. So let's go ahead and just jump on into our guest on the line. Her name is Brittany Hennessy, and I'm sure you've heard the name. She just released a book a few months ago called Influencer. It's number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And we have her here right now on the podcast, direct from New York. She's done so many different things. And we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to answer your questions about social media, the mysteries of Instagram, how to be an influencer, and all the important things. Miss Brittany Hennessy, thanks for being on the podcast today. It is an honor to have you, ma'am. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and just dive right in. This book you just relieved, influencer, released, Influencer, is huge, and I, I had the opportunity to read it. So one of the first questions that I wanted to ask was, what was it that, for those who may not have read it or listened to it, 
what was it that truly inspired you to author this particular book? So to be honest, my husband really pushed me to write it. <laughs> so, okay. you know, I, I, I've always done a lot of uh, conferences and things for young women and career oriented things. And a lot of people had always asked about my particular job, you know, casting influencers, because it's not a job that a lot of people have. But so many of the questions that I received after conferences were, I'm an influencer, how do I increase my following? Or how do I get people like you to notice me? And you know, just working with influencers and and seeing them make so many mistakes and just not have proper information on like how to negotiate and how much they should charge and seeing influencers sign contracts that I know they didn't read. It really it really was something that I'm like, oh, I wish I could tell you guys like you're not doing this right. And it's, <laughs> it's a really hard thing to do, you know, because I was always representing like a brand. And so it's not in my client's best interest to go back to the influencer and say, Hey, I know you said you do this for $2,500, but just so you know, you really should be charging closer to 10,000. Like not wow. really something I can do. And so I felt like, you know, the book, and then you look, if you Google, there's so much bad information out there for influencers, oh, yes, things yes, that I'm yes. like, they should not do that. Like, this is not a good idea. That's not a good idea. And so much information provided by people who are obviously selling like some sort of platform or some app or something where they're benefiting from sharing their viewpoint and it's not a universal viewpoint. And so I really felt like the way I could reach as many influencers as possible is through writing this book. And also because you can't have coffee with everybody. And people were always like, can I have coffee with you and like ask you questions? And it's like, if I had coffee with all these people, I would never get anything done. So you really just want, I wanted to make something that could be accessible if whether you could meet me in New York or if you lived somewhere where you were never going to come to New York, you still could have access to this information. And the book was the best way to do that. Absolutely. I, I agree with you because this whole influencing thing is huge now. It's become so popular over the last year or so. And I have talked to people who would be considered influencers. And in your book, you talk about that term specifically, influencer versus lifecaster. And I wanted you, if you could, to expound on that a little bit, because what what are the two, what are some of the major differences between the two? Because just by title alone, they are very and completely different. Sure. So I think the major differences that you're looking at an influencer, you know, when you're thinking influencer, influencer encompasses both life casters and content creators. And so there are life casters and those are people like celebrities and athletes and, you know, sometimes experts who they're just posting what they're doing and you're following them because you think they're really cool or special or innovative. And that's why it always makes me a little upset when people are like, Kim Kardashian's an influencer and like Kylie Jenner and like Bella Hadid and they're influencers, sure, but it's very different than a YouTuber or a blogger who they have to make an editorial calendar. They have to figure out, okay, I'm going to do a beauty tutorial today. What is it going to be about? What products am I going to use? They have to shoot the content, edit the content, and then figure out how to grow their following. Like, they're so much more of like a publishing brand when you look at content creators that it's not fair to put them in the same category 
as someone who just runs around and goes to parties and gets facials and has like this great life. And so that's why you're following them. So it's very different. And I think, you know, when you compare them, what happens really is they really undervalue like the level of work that goes into being a great content creator, because, you know, a celebrity can just come on a platform, say, hey, I'm on this platform and have a million followers overnight. You have these content creators who have been building up to a million followers. And some of them, it took them 10 years to really just keep growing and growing and getting new people to follow them and keep their audience engaged. And they have to do a lot of work to get those numbers. So I think it's important for them to make sure we keep that distinction. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I've seen that where a celebrity has had nothing to do with Instagram and then all of a sudden they open an account and they have so many followers. And it's (laughs) like, you know, I can think of a couple just offhand. I won't mention any names, but it's (laughs) like, wow, this is crazy. I had Ali Levine. I'm not sure if you know who she is, but She's an influencer and she just had a baby and she was talking to me about how difficult it is now that she's a new mom trying to balance all of this and that she had some of the same opinions that you do about it's a big deal. She just had a baby. So now everybody's reaching out to her to try the new baby slings and breast pump this and (laughs) nipple cream. It's true. It was crazy. She was very clear about it. And she's like, I get so many packages a day that show up on my doorstep And she's like, I don't even know where to start with it because it takes me hours to try it. (laughs) And then I have to do Instagram posts. And it's a lot of pressure to to take on a brand and say, I want to do this because then there's like a certain level of expectation. And in the book, you you touch on that as well, which I find so, so interesting. I appreciate you clearing that up because I think people like to use the term influencer. Oh, I'm an influencer. But, you know, I think it's more of the latter, like you say going around taking pictures and then you get four or 500 likes and you're really not influencing per se, I suppose. Um, (laughs) That's right. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about that as well. So I think I like it. I love it. It's, it's great. When somebody approached you in the past, or I don't know that they necessarily do now, probably more that you have released this book and sort of cracked the code on this, What are some things, and you talk about it in the book, and again, for those who may not have heard it yet or read it, which I do recommend, what are some key things that you are looking for are an absolute must uh, to have a successful social media platform? I think you're looking for a few things. The main thing is really having a great bio because, you know, that's really how brands can figure out and, and potential followers too can figure out who you are, what you're about, what they're going to be seeing if they decide to follow you. And really, I think a lot of influencers don't realize that now there's so much tech that brands and agencies, we're really using technology to search bios for particular keywords. And so your bio has to be SEO friendly. And I work with a lot of influencers who might be like beauty influencers, and yet the word beauty doesn't appear anywhere in their bio. Wow. And I said, you know, if you, you know, if we're searching beauty, like you won't come up or if we're specifically looking for influencers based in Seattle and you don't have the word Seattle in your bio, you're not going to come up and be on our list. And so I think, you know, influencers, a lot of them are very creative and they're artists. And so they'll have things like, I love, you know, sunsets or they'll have song lyrics or they'll have 
all sorts of things that are really special to them. But what's special to you is not necessarily what's going to bring you business. And so <laughs> they really have to think of it more in a, you know, people are looking for me. How do I want to come up in search results? What do I want to project that it is that I'm doing? And if a brand is trying to figure out if I would be a good partner, what cues am I giving them? And that has everything to do with like, do you have a ton of emojis in your profile? Is there a lot of slang? Did you write everything in all caps? <laughs> like all of those things are are key are, you know, subtle things, but things that brands notice. So making sure you have a good bio, making sure you have a good photo. Lots of people, their photo is a full length photo, which does not fit in the tiny Instagram circle or the YouTube circle. So that doesn't make any sense. It should be of your face. That your contact information is in your bio. That's a huge one. And then just that your feed is, you know, clean, organized. We can understand what's going on there. Do you have to have the same filter in every photo? No. But should your feed look like 30 different people are posting to it? No. (laughs) There should be some sort of, you know, consistency. And then, you know, we check, do you write captions? Are they thoughtful? Are they insightful? Are people commenting or are they just liking your pictures? Because there's a difference between having a large follower account and having a community. And then if people are commenting, are you commenting back? And, you know, I don't even have that many followers. I think I have like almost 7,000 because I'm doing the book and a lot of people are commenting, but it's so difficult to respond to everyone who comments on your posts. And I can only imagine if you have 100,000, 500,000, a million, but it really is something that's important. People freak out when you respond to their comments, which is always fun and really shows that you're it's a it's a two way conversation and you're not just an influencer that's broadcasting to a bunch of people, but you're actually having a conversation with them and they trust you and they're loyal. And then that's what makes you an influencer. You have a background in journalism, if I understand correctly. What was it that made you kind of make the switch from doing that to this in particular social media and helping folks out on that level? Sure. So I majored in journalism. I wanted to do print feature writing. I really wanted to be like a feature writer for Rolling Stone. And then when I graduated, it was right when digital was blowing up. And so you couldn't get a job in print, which was devastating. And then I couldn't get a job in digital because I didn't have experience doing digital, even though nobody had experience (laughs) doing digital at that point. And so my first job, I actually worked at a talent agency, which is a nice full circle moment because I worked at Abrams Artist and they're actually my agent for for writing, which is very cool. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun to have that happen. And I, I was, I helped, um, I was an agent for on-camera commercial actors. And so I really liked helping people book gigs and, you know, they were getting famous and we'd have people who were doing like teeny tiny commercials and all of a sudden they get cast in like a huge movie and then they're like stars now. So I really enjoyed working on, on that. But I wanted to do something bigger. And so I did the logical thing, which was go to law school, which has nothing to do with anything I had done (laughs) up until that point. But, you know, it was I think it was 2008 and the economy was a mess. And it was like, what else am I going to do? Maybe I'll just go get another degree because you can do anything if you have a law degree, which is what they say. So I went there. I did not finish because I hated it. Um, but I met my husband there, so that was nice. Yeah. And yes. then <laughs> yeah, that's a perk. 
But in that whole time, I had a I had a blog. And so I had a blog that I was updating. And so I used to get invited to like a lot of parties and things. And I got invited to Germany with to be the Nivea, a Nivea ambassador for North America. And like they flew me to Germany. I hung out with Rihanna on a cruise ship for three days. Wow. And all I had to do was tweet about it. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? They were like, oh, yeah, we're going to hire you to like be an influencer and like raise awareness. And I was like, this is a thing. We are paying people to do this. This is crazy. And so I immediately went back to everybody I knew who had some sort of brand and, you know, was helping them do their Facebook and, and their Twitter accounts. And I had been early adopters of both of those things. I wrote an article for like my college paper when Facebook first came out, like, we need this. How come we're not on this? Let's all do a petition. So I'd always been really into social media. And then I started doing that. And then lots of different people I had worked with started calling me in to help them do their social media. And then someone I knew from when I was blogging asked me to come to Horizon Media and start the influencer department with her. And she said, you know, I know a lot about brands, but you know a lot about bloggers because you used to be one. So can you help me do this? So I went there and worked with a lot of entertainment clients and CPGs. And that was a ton of fun, but I really still liked the casting part. I love working with talent. And I started looking for a job that really honed in on that. And then someone that I actually went to Germany with worked at Hearst on the team that I joined and helped me get that job where I was the casting director for all 25 digital brands. And so I really had a great time casting for all sorts of brands, young, old, male, female, because I did everything from 17 to Dr. Oz. And so so that's how I got there. And it's it's crazy because this is not a job that even existed when I was in college. So there's no way I could have trained for it other than, you know, really enjoying working with people and communicating. And law school actually helped because I spent a lot of time reading and writing contracts. So who would have thought? But everything I've and done. you are. <laughs> now you're doing interviews all over the country. <laughs> and <laughs> you've written this book that really has just caught on fire. Because I don't think there's a lot of books out on influencing and Instagram and how to really make it work. It's almost like an enigma, in my opinion, because until you can figure certain things out, it can be either really successful for you or just be a complete nightmare. And I wanted to ask you about Instagram in particular. Now, there's this rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't seen anything that there's algorithm that now exists. And you have to, <laughs> you laugh, uh, <laughs> And you have to respond a certain number of letters to get this, to get that. I don't know. It's crazy. Do you think that there's really an algorithm that they are monitoring this or should folks just concentrate on putting out good quality content? You know, it's tough. So much is based on the numbers that people really do freak out. And so they'll say, you know, I've been dropping followers and I'm getting less engagement and I don't know what to do. And I think people need to realize like, sure, there's an algorithm, but you know, I called this when I saw it in the very beginning, which was when Instagram encouraged people to switch to brand profiles. There are only certain people who would become a business on Instagram, actual businesses and influencers. And so it really is a way, because I've always wondered, you know, there's so much money that flows through Instagram through influencers and yet Instagram doesn't make any of it. Really? And so this is, yeah, because if I, if I book an influencer, send her product and she posts and I pay her $20,000, Instagram doesn't see any of that money. Okay. So 
there was like a there are billions of dollars floating around and they don't have access to it. But one of the ways that fits in their business model is if you're an influencer and you have a brand page and you mark things with hashtag ad, which are things they can see, or you use the like um, paid sponsorship with like that tag that goes at the top, they now know that's a hint to the computer system that you made money to post. And so it happens a lot. And this happens on Facebook all the time is they suppress the reach of that post. Interesting. So your logical thing is to put paid support behind it, which turns it into an ad. And that's how Facebook and Instagram make money. People run ads. And so it was only a matter of time before it started happening to influencers. And I think some of them were really smart. And a lot of them had worked on the brand side or worked in PR advertising, and they saw this trend coming. And so you'll see plenty of influencers put paid support behind their posts. And it's great because then you can tell a brand like, I guarantee that 10,000 people will see this because you can pay until 10,000 people have seen it. So I think you know, influencer marketing in general is one of those things where you throw money at something and you hope it works. And as it's starting to standardize, it's becoming more like a traditional media buy where you can guarantee engagement, impressions, video views. And right now, it's mostly brands who are making sure the content hits that number. But I think very early next year, you'll see many more influencers putting their own money to make sure that they can guarantee metrics. And those will be the influencers that work the most. When you say putting money behind it, you're saying where you can go in and say, do you want to make this a sponsored post? And then they pay out X number of dollars, whether that comes from their pocket or let's say, you know, somebody pays them 10 grand like yourself to post about makeup. So they would take money out of that and just reinvest it back into their business to guarantee you that it's going to reach X number of people. Instagram is pretty much where I do most of my work. I do some on Twitter, a little bit on Facebook. Is it possible that you should spread yourself too thin if you go to too many of those markets? Or should you just focus on one and, and and then just kind of salt and pepper the others, if that makes sense. Sure. I think you should own your username on every platform that's available, but that doesn't mean you should post there. And, you know, the the worst thing that can happen is someone goes to one of your platforms and realize you haven't updated this platform in six months. And so if it's not a place you're going to work on and make sure the community is thriving, you probably don't really need to be there. Like if you're doing makeup tutorials, YouTube and Instagram are great for you. Can you post on Twitter? Sure. Is that where you're going to see the most engagement and have the most brand deals? Absolutely not, because that it just doesn't lend itself to that. If you are a comedian, you might do really well on Twitter and Facebook. And so that's where you should spend your time. And if you have a blog, you should definitely invest in Pinterest because most people receive their traffic from Pinterest. People are clicking through pins. So you really have to figure out, like, is your medium mostly text? Is it mostly photo? Is it mostly video? Like, what kind of content are you creating and where should you best use your efforts? But you can definitely spread yourself too thin by like being on everything. If your audience is very old, like the odds that you should spend a lot of time on Snapchat, you probably <laughs> shouldn't because that's not where your audience is. They're not going to find you there. But if you're doing like food, you know, some food bloggers, they have 50,000 followers on Instagram and they have a million fans on Facebook. It's completely different. They're playing a completely different game. And so, you know, you really have to figure out where's your audience. 
where are people actually engaging with your content and then pick two or three of those platforms and spend your time there. So if somebody downloads downloads one of those apps where they just blast everything, probably not a good idea, you would say. I, I haven't done that in particular, but I know people, there's these different, I don't know, there used to be Twitter type apps where you could just put one post and then it just blasted it everywhere. Is that- oh, yeah, we hate that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Especially because, you know, people do it, but everything is different. Like a photo that looks great on Instagram is not going to look great on Facebook just because like the photo sizes are different or something that works on Twitter. You know, you want to keep things on Twitter short and sweet, even though they've extended the character limit. But maybe on Facebook, you want to write something really long, you know, so you really have to figure it out. And sometimes people will post things and then it's on Instagram and there is a link and it's like, you can't click links on Instagram. Why is this even here? And so (laughs) every, every platform has the way that it works and there is no one size fits all. And if you, that's a shortcut. And I think for really successful influencers, you can't take those sorts of shortcuts because it only needs to go wrong one time and that can really ruin your future. So like take the time and make each post, you know, optimize for the platform that it's on. And lots of platforms like Facebook, Facebook wants you to post in Facebook. So you might actually get penalized for blasting it through something else. So it's always smart to do a native upload. Very interesting. I I appreciate that. So like on Instagram, if somebody wants to post something where you can choose where it's going to go, you should probably turn off the Facebook part and the Twitter part and just do one post on Instagram and then jump over to Twitter and do a quick snippet, maybe throw up a photo and that's it. And that way they're just not. Yeah. And I do find it difficult because if even if you go on Twitter, and I've probably been guilty of this, I'm sure, where you put something out and then you have to click a link and then it has to load on your phone. And <laughs> if you're not someone who has a smartphone, I, I think everyone pretty much does now, but maybe you're, an agent who's been in the business for 40 years and you still use a flip phone, you're not going to click <laughs> on that. <laughs> and uh, I actually worked with a publicist. She didn't use a smartphone. She's had a flip phone for years and she refuses to change. So <laughs> it was kind of interesting, but no, I appreciate all that. I did want to ask you really quick about LinkedIn. That has now become a thing now, which is popular where people are connecting with, that's how you and I connected or maybe even celebrities are going on there now. What about promoting things on LinkedIn? Is that a no-no? Should that just be kept strictly for business contacts only? You know, LinkedIn is interesting because it really, it's a platform that has so much more potential and people are not using it, I think, the way they could. And so I think you'll start to see more thought leadership on there. But to be perfectly honest, like a lot of influencers can't write. <laughs> and so <laughs> they, take, they take really great photos. They have really great videos. But like not everybody's a writer, you know, and LinkedIn is one of those places where writers really shine. And so I think you'll start to see some people who, who blog maybe trying to figure out like how they can use LinkedIn But I think for influencers, you know, until there is a way to monetize something, you shouldn't spend too much time and effort on it because it's not going to do anything for you just yet. But I think I think we'll see some some more from LinkedIn. I'm excited to see where it goes because it's a great it's a great platform. 
Yes, I, I've been told that it's really underestimated. And it's been great for me to connect with guests that I've had. And I've had folks actually reach out to me because of the platform, which is crazy. I have a personal one for work, my, my regular job, but for for podcasting, I keep it separated. It's been a really good resource. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how it turns out in the next couple of years. So one last question. You probably get asked this a lot, but for our listeners, for someone who wants to be an influencer, who wants to have a large presence on social media, what are some pieces of advice that you might give to that person? Sure. I think you should spend a lot of time figuring out who you're trying to attract and what you want to talk about, because uh, a, a common temptation is to pick your favorite influencers and just copy them. And that's a waste because that person already exists and that person already has content and a following. You need to do something different. And I think people are very afraid to do what's, you know, what's important to them and what's organic to them. And that's what you have to do because that's why people will follow you. It's because they like you as a person. So I think influencers really should, you should think about that. You should practice. You should be very good on video you should know how to take and pose for photos and you should know how to write. I cannot overemphasize how important writing is for storytelling. And I think, you know, since brands are spending so much money on influencer marketing, they're really starting to ask for more than just a pretty photo. They want stories. They want lots of text. I think a lot of influencers with the rise of Instagram neglected their blog, lost their writing skills, and now it's coming back to bite them. So making sure you can tell a story through text and really just having fun with it and making sure it's something you want to do because you could overnight pick up a lot of followers and start doing brand deals. It could take you three months, six months, over a year, and you will burn out and you'll quit if it's not something you really want to do. So I wouldn't just do fashion and beauty because it seems like that's where all the money is if you have a passion doing something else, because the passion is what will keep you going until the money comes in. And so you have to pick things that you like, that you would post about every day for free, because you're going to post about it every day for free (laughs) for (laughs) at least a short period of time. So definitely let the passion guide you and just be yourself. You know, you have friends in real life, so you'll find people on the internet who will follow you. And you have access to more people on the internet than you ever would have in real life. So you can you can pick up the followers and find your community and, you know, be a representation on something on the internet for people like you who are looking for that. And so, you know, being an influencer is a really powerful position. So just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Money is a good secondary reason, but it can't be your primary reason. Yes. And and you talk a lot about that in the book. So there you have it. We have solved all the problems in the world for folks who want to be (laughs) successful on social media in 27 minutes. Where can I I do too? That's the beauty of podcasting. That's another thing, you know, there's so many rules to that. Keep it under 35 minutes. It's crazy. If people want to find you or perhaps reach out to you, get your book, Brittany, how can they do that? If you want to talk to me, um, the place I answer the most is Instagram. And I'm Mrs. Brittany Hennessy on there. And then if you want to find the book, it's in 
paperback, ebook, and audiobook, pretty much anywhere you can buy a book. And then there's a hardcover version, which is pretty cool. And you can get that at Hudson News. So you will see that in like the airport and like Grand Central and Penn Station and those fun places. Well, thank you so much, Brittany, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I, I love podcasts. I never really was into the podcast thing before the book. And now I, they're so cool. So <laughs> thanks for having me. Absolutely. On All of her information, folks, will be available in the show notes, how you can reach out to her and all of those fun, exciting things. Thanks again, Brittany, for being a part of the podcast. Again, all of her information will be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening and for following us on social media and joining us for today's episode. Until next time, let somebody know that you love them and let them know that you care. And we'll talk to you soon. That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Until next time, cheers and be well.